Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. The good, the bad, and the ugly on a Monday. Each Monday, there's a little bit of all three. Plenty of good. Longhorn baseball. 27 scoreless innings over the weekend. That'll work. David Pierce now the pitching coach. T-Texas pitching through seven games. A ERA of 1.66. I think most impressively to me over the weekend in three games, Rod, they issued seven walks. Pretty amazing. And LBJ was a badass on Friday night. That was eight innings, eight strikeouts, that split finger. You know, when he pitches up at the top of the zone like he can, like, you know, those high fastballs, uh, and then he throws that split finger, that dives, man, he, he is tough. Uh, you, if you're an Astros fan, you watch Justin Verlander do that, pitch up in the zone and then throw that curveball that drops off the table. Yeah. Major League hitters can't handle it. Uh, our man LBJ can be devastating when he's when he's spotting his pitches. And that's I know that has been David Pierce and the, the staff's biggest thing with these pitchers is trust your stuff and pitch to contact. Do not pitch behind accounts. You know, trust your we, – we recruited you because you can pitch. Yeah. You got good stuff. Uh, don't do yourself – you know, don't cause problems by putting free passes and walking batters. Uh, you know, last year that was all too often a problem with hit batters and walks and free free passes. So far, so good. They'll see better competition than they've seen. But San Diego, they took two out of three. Uh, and then this past weekend against Cal Poly, that's not a great offensive team. But at the same time, you hold a team with zero runs in 27 innings, that's doing good work right there. And playing great oh, yeah. defense. Playing great yeah. defense behind it. No. Uh, the, pitch, the new pitching coach is doing a good job. Yeah, the guy knows is. what he's doing. That new pitching coach knows what he's doing, man. That was, that was a great hire. Yeah, we'll see. Obviously, you'll you know this weekend you, you'll see St. John's tomorrow night. They'll be coming out of the cold there, uh, St. John's, uh, to, to get some. They, they might be in shock leaving what New York, where they are, in St. John's oh, coming yeah, here and heat. And it's gonna be eighty something degrees. Oh, <laughs> I'll be like, dang, love it. They're gonna be trying to move down here. Is what they're gonna be trying to do. It's like 150, <laughs> 150 a day now. Still trying to move down here. Um, but so that but that was certainly good. And uh, boy, looking forward to this coming weekend when they go down to Houston at Minute Maid Park for. Uh, the Astros College Classic. We're talking LSU defending national champs reports. That could be a sellout rod, 40,000-plus down there in Houston. They've got Texas State on Saturday night, and then Vanderbilt oh, yeah. Commodores on Sunday. Some of that SEC. And if we come in here, Baseball, huh? uh, you know, if next Monday we're talking about Texas being, you know, <laughs> ERA of 1.66, now we're talking yeah, with shutouts. that competition. Yeah. yeah, they're shutting out those guys. Then maybe we can start projecting something special for this group. I do like this team a lot. I really do. I like their makeup. I like the, the athleticism at the top of the order. Um, they can really run. Jared Thomas is, as we say, going to be a – I just think he's a, he's going to be there all year long, sitting atop of the, uh, the, the statistics as far as batting average and on base. I mean, he's the perfect igniter at the top of the order. Yeah. He had a home run, and the Longhorns took advantage of the wind. Wind was blowing out to the left field, and they would, you know, a couple opposite field home runs over the weekend, just getting it up in that jet stream and letting it fly out. That's the other thing about all these shutouts. I mean, you can be playing a team that's not great offensively, but the wind was blowing out, Rod. Yeah. I mean, this was all you got to do is one bad pitch, and it's a home Tough. run. Yeah. Don't have to hit it well to get it up into that wind. And uh, Cal Poly was not able to do that, which means they were spotting their pitches and um, – Good for Texas. Uh, so we'll see. That was certainly good. Texas good women's start. basketball, Texas softball off to a real good start. Uh, we've also talked about the bad. How about this, Rod, uh, from something we have reported and talked about in college in, in pro football? You know, we've talked about, you know, college football and where it's going, the ruling on Friday a lot this morning. Yeah. Uh, and we know the coaches are running out of college football to get to the NFL. That is a that, – that seems to be a trend. Without a yeah. doubt. Uh, but how about this? How about Eric Bieniemy? I saw that. Signing on to be the new offensive coordinator of yeah. the UCLA Bruins. That's big, man. Good for him. 
it is, you know, he's got a, he's almost got to restart. Uh, his memory, he wasn't running backs coach at UCLA way back after playing running back at Colorado back in the day. Yeah, man. And uh, now he's gone back to UCLA. He's going to be the associate head coach under Deshaun Foster and call plays there. So he's coming back to college. And, you know, I think we're past Rod, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, where this is about the color of his skin. I mean, this guy, because, you know, Raheem Morris just got yeah. another job. They're, D'Amico Ryan's just got a job. The NFL is more open and, and yeah. more than ever before. It's not perfect yet. No, no one's saying that. But I, I, I think this is about Eric Bieniemy's personality. It has to be. Because he's interviewed 15 times, Rod, for NFL job. 15. He's, interview, uh... he's, been, he's been called back for a second interview one time by the New York Jets. That, that is, there's something he's doing in the interviews that is, is not playing well, whatever the reason is. We're not in That's the fair. interview. But he's, he's gotten 15 interviews. Yeah. And only one callback. That would tell you there might be something that that's, he's just not delivering when he gets in front of the, the, the hiring committee or the owner, yeah. right? I mean, no, it's just, I agree with you. I mean, it's almost worth asking him. Yeah. I mean, if, if I was there to be enemy at that point, I, once I got past – I don't know, interview seven, eight, I'd probably at this point be like, hey. What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? Yeah, I mean, after, after I initially, you know, they hire somebody, I probably would call them back like, hey, I, I just want to know what I did wrong. I, and, and then not that you were going to hire me, but can you help me improve in this process? Like, how can I get better? Because you're right, you, you would assume you get better at the interviewing process the more you interview. You're saying he's interviewing 15 times. You think, okay, he's going to get better and better. And then by the 10th one, he's mastered the interview process. And that's why they bring him in. So, it's yeah, I mean that's 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 crazy. I mean, for him to get that many interviews and not get the second interview, but one time out of the fifteen. Jets were the one team that called him back. Yeah, so and maybe I hire, mean they hired Robert Sala, I believe. Yeah, it could it could be a it could be really simple, or it could be something a little bit more complicated. I don't know. I mean, he basically he's in the friend zone of of coaching. Like he can't, <laughs> he's stuck in his coordinator role. And even when he left the one time to go to Washington, that was with a lot of instability there. So that didn't last long. And he can't go back to Kansas City, even though I'm sure they would they would accept him with open arms. So he spoke to the team during the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Gave him like a motivational speech to the playoffs. They love him, but he knows if he goes there, you're back in the friend zone. Yeah. And the friend zone is, oh, Andy Reid calls the plays. It's Andy Reid's genius. Andy Reid's the man. And you got to go somewhere and almost prove your own worth and start your own narrative. And I'm glad he went to college because, you know, if you t- UCLA is in dire straits right now. They're in a bit of a crisis. Financially, yeah. Financially, everything. Um, you go there and have success, and then people will attribute that success to you. Or at least you'll get a lot of credit for it because if you go hang out with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you ain't getting no credit at all for what they did. And he's not even getting credit for improving the Washington offense, which he did. Washington offense actually did improve, but he's not getting credit for that either. So, yeah, go somewhere where you can get some credit and then you can start to work your way up to a head coaching position. And maybe he figures, I can't get a head coaching job in the NFL. Maybe I can get one in college. And maybe that's part of this move. By Eric Bieniemy, yeah, and somewhere where you can have an impact, and uh, you know, coach ball a, uh, but also, you know, get get yourself because look, it doesn't have to be a career path; it can just be a job that you do really it well. It just be a job. And I know him. he wanted to be a head coach. He wants to be a head coach. That's yeah. pretty obvious. That's why he keeps interviewing for the jobs. Otherwise, he wouldn't even interview for the jobs. You know what I mean? If he didn't want to be a head coach, I think he wants to be a head coach. Like you said, something there's something lost in translation. There, there's a disconnect. Between him getting those interviews and not getting those second interviews, yeah. what is it? Yeah. Is it scheme? Does he not break down the scheme really well? 
Um, is it, you know, like I said, X's and O's stuff? Like you said, is it? Yeah, the owners want to see a plan, right? What's your, what's your, what's and your I'm not vision? Saying he does, yeah, what's your vision? Yeah. But real organized. Like, here's yeah. how I'm going to do this. Here's how I'm going to do this. Here's a step of it. Yeah. Even you said, if you're a defensive coach, you better know who your offensive guy is going to be, right? Who you're going to be targeting mm-hmm. to run your offense. Um, and again, we don't know. Is it personality? Is it lack of, you know, the organization that we're talking about? Who knows? But the numbers are what they are. Yeah, they don't lie. Like, he's, he's having trouble <laughs> impress, yeah. impressing the owners in these, in, in, uh, GMs in these interviews. Yep. Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, now I wanted to play this too, Rod, because uh, this is going to be a debate the rest of the show too. But this, before we get to your rant, your second rant of the day, uh, Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr. Oh, what happened with Steve Kerr? Uh, well, I like Steve Kerr. I like Steve Kerr too. Okay, but uh, he was talking about Steph Curry over the weekend, and uh, of course, Steve Kerr played with Michael Jordan, mm-hmm. and now has coached Steph Curry majority of his career. Oh yeah. And listen to this. This is uh, this is Steve Kerr at a press conference over the weekend and talking about. Um, who's more skilled, Michael Jordan or Steph Curry? Skilled, Ooh, word skilled. That is interesting. Listen, term. listen to uh, Steph Curry or Steve Kerr, who played with one and coaches the other. Scoring without very many free throws. Uh, how difficult is that actually uh, to you know put up 30, 34 with two free throws? And do you think it's sustainable? I don't know. I mean, uh, I didn't used to get fouled either, and I would put up my six, and I, I don't know how I did it either. It really got to the line. Um, no, I, I just think that, um, he, I mean, he's he's the most skilled player I, I think I've ever seen. Um, and so, you know, this is a, a league where, you know, the, the game is geared towards the offensive player, as we know, uh, and so there's a lot of guys who are taking advantage of that and, and seeking fouls, and Steph has just never played like that. Um, he doesn't do that, all that stuff. He just tries to get space because he knows when he gets space, he's going to uh, more than likely knock down a shot, and um, he's, yeah, he's just, he doesn't spend a, t- a lot of time at the line unless, you know, we have a lead and people are fouling down the stretch. But, um, all right, there's Steve Kerr, so uh, and he was, appreciate mm-hmm. that, Ty, but he was then asked about well, what about Jordan. He said, well, Jordan was the best player ever, but he, that Steph's more skilled um, at, at, you know, getting, getting space, making shots. He's the best shooter of all time, yeah. which is a skill. It is unto itself. Yeah. Huh. He's the best shot maker. Yes. He's a shot maker. Because even when he gets to the rim, sometimes he does some weird, freaky stuff. He's just a, and he's so small that he's got to be creative well, and, with and, his shot making. And, uh, you know, we go back and I, I've seen the scouting report of Steph Curry, you know, too small, not mm-hmm. athletic enough. Yeah. I mean, he's worked his way into a Hall of Famer. Michael Jordan was the most skilled player on any court he ever stepped on. Remember, the most athletic player. Yeah. He's uh, explosive, man. Oh. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, the, the long yeah. arms, the, the great size, the great, yeah. uh, you know, what was his vertical leap? I mean, it was, you know, 45, 50 inches. Yeah. He could jump over everybody. And, of course, category. as his career evolved, he became, you know, the, the, the ability to, to post people up and play in the yep. low post. But so not saying not skilled, but how about Steve? That's pretty impressive. Steve Kerr saying most skilled player he's ever seen. Yeah, I remember we'll play it and who said that. I, Hakeem Olajuwon was actually talking about the difference between LeBron and MJ, and he Ooh. said that um, MJ, his point, I think he said MJ was more creative, actually. Yeah. He said that MJ was more creative with his game overall, which I thought was an interesting way to describe the difference between the two, that MJ was a more creative player than LeBron. We'll, we'll probably play that sound a little bit later on, but yeah. Um, I read the dream talking about that. I mean, it's Steph and – I will say that Steph and the MJ, that's never really come up, though. I will say nobody's ever really compared. That was prepared Steph and LeBron. LeBron. Or LeBron and MJ. 
Well, I mean, I think it's it, it's you an interesting I mean? conversation because you know LeBron James is one of the greatest players of all time, but Steph Curry, you would argue, of this generation, has more, done more to change the game. He's more influential. He's changed the game. Yeah, I mean, the game yeah. is different because of Steph Curry. Yeah, the game is played differently. Kids Cheap. grow up playing the game differently yep. because of Steph Curry. Uh, you know, there's just you know, kids can't do what LeBron does. No. You know, most people can't do it. He's just he's, too big and too powerful. Yeah, he's, he's a freak of nature. Yeah, you want to athletically, like that. Yeah. Uh, and. Steph Curry, you know, his ability to shoot the basketball. We're now seeing you know, Caitlin Clark in the mm-hmm. women's game kind of yep. emulating and playing a game like Steph Curry does. He, he is – I mean, you, you, you can find very few players in, in sports who have changed their sport. Yeah, I'll agree uh, the, 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 the game changers, uh, he is certainly one of them. Yeah, no, I'll agree with that about Steph. And that's – you know, because the three-point no, no, uh, kind of evolution where uh, young kids now are, <laughs> you know – trying to chunk it up from damn near half court, that's Steph's influence, right? That's a, that's a, that's a direct Steph Curry well, influence. Just, and, and I remember when MJ had that influence because everybody wanted to dunk. play it, play above the rim like MJ. Yep. Um, and now it's real. You're right. LeBron didn't have that impact. It's strange because MJ was a freakish athlete, so you can't do what MJ does, but everybody still wants to be like Mike. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But it's weird that, that well, and, being and look, like LeBron wasn't really a thing. Well, that's why Steph For the is, young kids. Well, and look, I was in the Jordan Physical era, and all, I, we had, all of our team was walking around. Remember those shoes that used to have, like, the, the right risers on it, trying to build your calf muscles oh, so you could yeah, get I up and those. dunk the ball? They look so weird, yeah. <laughs> so you could build your calf muscles walking with them all day? I remember that. It's, it's the guy from Seinfeld had that. And, Jimmy. And, you know, Jimmy. Us white guys still couldn't dunk. Um, <laughs> had big calves, though. Because that's what you wanted to be. Yeah, big calves. But, um, you know, everybody can shoot. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's kind of an every every man kind of thing to Steph Curry that yeah. everyone – can could be Steph Curry. I can yeah. shoot. I can shoot the basketball. You're skilled. And and look at the game now. Now it's all spread out. You got to cover forty feet from the basket, which opens the game up, You're which right. leads to a lot more offense. And um, you know, Steph Curry largely credited gets a lot of credit for the change in the game. Yeah, you can cultivate that skill. Yes, you, you can. You got to work it over and over again. Now, will you be as good as Steph? No, but you definitely will improve the more you shoot. Well, it's almost like uh, quarterback play in football, right? It's, I mean, it used to be a running league and three yards in a cloud of dust, and everybody played near the line of scrimmage. Well, now. The, now, now it's a passing league, and quarterbacks yeah. rule the game, uh, and offenses rule the game. All right, Rod, let's uh, get to your well, – by the way, we'll take your thoughts on those topics, the uh, Eric Bieniemy conversation, the Steve Kerr conversation, uh, NCAA, of course, taking a big hit on Friday. We've talked Ooh, about that a lot this morning. Biggie. We'll get back to it at 447-3776. But first, uh, one more rant from Rod on this Monday. Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butt. <clears throat> All right, let's get into some uh, some Texans conversation, actually. Um, we talked about this on the show right after the Super Bowl when the Kansas City Chiefs you know, won back-to-back, and we were discussing the possibility of them three-peating and what team could threaten the Kansas City Chiefs, right? What team could pose a threat, potentially disrupt this dynastic run that they're on? And we threw out a lot of different teams throughout you know, the – 
the, the Bengals because of Joe Burrow. Hell, you know, Lamar Jackson may take his game to the next level in the postseason. It's possible the Ravens, you know, the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen. I mean, all those teams that have uh, tried and uh, uh, the Bengals did succeed once, but most of the time they fail going up against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Another team that we brought up um, was the Houston Texans. That Houston Texans were in a really good position potentially to you know threaten the Kansas City Chiefs just because they have a quarterback on a rookie contract and one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, uh, head coach that seems like he's the right guy, won a division and went to the playoffs in his first year. That hadn't happened with a rookie quarterback. Uh, for, with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback in like 100 years in the NFL. Uh, Nick Casario doing a really good job of being able to build the roster now and hitting on the draft picks he needs to hit on. Uh, Nick Wright agrees. Nick Wright's one of the – does great work for uh, Fox, but uh, I think this clip comes from First Things First. Used to do radio down in H-Town, so he knows Houston really well. Um, and is a big Kansas City Chiefs fan, has been on that bandwagon for a long time. Here's what Nick Wright had to say on First Things First about the uh, biggest threat potentially to the Kansas City Chiefs dynasty. My cheat answer is there is no threat. But if I have to give an actual team, let's just look to the history. In this five-year run, the one time they didn't win the AFC, the Bengals beat them. But I don't think it's the Bengals. I think it's a team that can follow that blueprint, which is uh, consistency at the coach and coordinator spot, superstar quarterback, has drafted really well, and can overspend in this free agency period because they have the quarterback so cheap, and that's the Houston Texans. Joe Burrow was in year two. They had drafted T. Higgins. They had drafted Jamar, or they were drafting Jamar that next year. They have Tank Dell coming back. Slowick didn't go anywhere. I think D'Amico's excellent. Yeah. They have their left and right tackle in place. They got to spend money on defense like Cincinnati did, and then maybe they can take a big leap. So my answer would be Houston because they can do win-now stuff that doesn't hurt them long-term yeah. because CJ's so cheap over the next three years. It's the smart yeah, thing to do, and they already showed their legitimate playoff team. That's Nick Wright. Like I said, he's a, a, about as big a homer for Kansas City as you can get. He spent time in H-Towns. He did radio down there in Houston at 610, so he knows the Houston market well, follows the Texans still really closely, I'm assuming, because of his time there. And uh, he agrees with something that we brought up on this show, he and I, who are also Texans fans, that the Texans play it right. If they make the right moves in free agency, right now they have about $64 million in cap space. Uh, which would put them seventh in the NFL in cap space. So they can be big spenders in free agency if they wanted to. Nick Casario still got a hit on draft picks, which he's done a really good job of since he's been there with the Texans. But if C.J. Stroud takes a leap next year and D'Amico Ryans proves that also, you know, he's the real deal as a coach, went to the playoffs, won division in his first year. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Texans could be in that realm to be a threat to the Kansas City Chiefs. Am I thinking it's a realistic threat? Not yet. I got to see the draft, and I got to see the free agency period. Right now, it's not. But if they hit on in, they hit in free agency with the right pieces, and they hit on this draft, and they you know get help, what they get the offensive rookie of the year last year, and uh, damn near the defensive rookie of the year. 
Um, did they win? Do, did Will Anderson win defensive rookie of the year? He, he did. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they get, they hit like that again, which I don't expect them to do that. But get two guys that can be starters for you, um, and play and play an impact roles. Then the Texans will end up at, at, in the conversation to threaten the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I mean they were a ten win team this year in the playoffs and won a playoff game. Uh, can you build on that? I mean we know every year is different, and uh, you know teams are going to uh, you know adjust to, to CJ Stroud. They're going to watch the film, but I do think. As we said a lot, because, again, I know a lot of people I see the numbers, but, you know, I understand it. A lot of people didn't watch the Texans a lot last year. Honestly, yeah. You just saw the highlights. Uh, C.J. Stroud put up the numbers he did without really a running game. I mean, they really couldn't run the football no. for most of the year. Devin Singletary gave them a punch, um, and they weren't great defensively for stretches. Now, uh, and that's what you have to address. But So C.J. Stroud did what he did not being a game manager, right? Um, you know, Cowboy fans remember when Dak Prescott won Rookie of the Year and was unbelievable, but that was built around Zeke Elliott, a strong running game, mm-hmm. play action pass, and, and Dak flourished. This this team was built around C.J. Stroud, the offense was, last yes, year. Was. He yeah. had to carry them, and he still only threw eight interceptions. He still, you know, put the numbers up that he did. And that's the, the – what if we give him a running game? Mm-hmm. And that's why you're hearing the name Saquon Barkley. Um, you are hearing it. Uh, and what would you say, Saquon's now following a bunch of Texans on social media? Yeah, the uh, report is that uh, the Texans, some of the Texans players, Nico Collins, Tank Dale, Brevin Jordan, C.J. Stroud, recently have been followed by Saquon Barkley, and they are now following Saquon Barkley. He also followed Devin Singletary, <laughs> uh, the running back. Hey, maybe she's trying to be a good future teammate. Um, and there's also a report, shout out to uh, Aaron, Aaron Wilson. He does a really good job. He does. Uh, He's been on the show before. Yeah, he, he does a great job. He was on the local news. He was on KPRC. He was on Channel 2 in H-Town. They were just talking about the, the, the combine and just talking about the Texans. And he said, quote, Saquon Barkley, it goes beyond him following guys on social media and hitting like. It's a case of him communicating with top players, including C.J. Stroud, about a desire to play here, here being Houston. It is mutual, says Aaron Wilson, but they are keeping their options open. So he's saying there's a mutual interest between the Texans and maybe the Texans players right now and Saquon Barkley. Well, and they can afford to they they could afford to bring him in. They got the money. They do. They've got the space, and that's what Nick Wright just said. And he's right. I mean, they have the luxury of maybe overspending at running back, maybe spending a little bit more in the free agent market than you would be, you know normally want to do in a good organization because you don't want to you know you you overspend in that market uh you want to build around draft picks which which they have now and that's you know so saquon barkley 26 years old or 27 yes you may get a couple Mm -hmm. two great years out of him and but it may because you want to take advantage of this window yes exactly uh, as much as you can and you know the examples are there patrick mahomes they took advantage of it before he had to get his big contract russell wilson in seattle meant to two super bowls in his rookie deal Uh, joe burrow was a great example Went to the Super Bowl. So, yes, that's the, the window you talk about, that five-year window. Houston's has just opened. Can you maximize it? And, look, if you're going to go after Saquon Barkley, you can trade Damian Pierce, and Damian Pierce will have some value uh, on, before the draft. I mean, a team like the Cowboys could use Damian Pierce and give you yeah. a draft pick for him because that guy just didn't fit their system, but he's a good running back. You saw him as a rookie. He was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damian Pierce is someone, you know, if you, if you had Saquon Barkley and Devin Singletary as your backfield, but they got to re-sign Singletary. Yeah. I like that. And then you trade Pierce for a piece. Um, you know, let him get to place where he's more comfortable. But you can get something for him, and then you hit on the draft and mostly focus on defense in the draft. Because I know Texans fans want a wide receiver. If you sign Saquon Barkley, I wouldn't worry as much about the offense. I would worry about the defensive side, especially on the defensive interior, defensive corner opposite Derek Stingley. 
safety, linebacker, those positions need upgraded. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you can be in that next couple of year window to chase the Chiefs and, and be one of the top teams. Because remember, Josh Allen got a mega deal. Justin Herbert just got a mega deal. Joe Burrow got a mega deal. Uh, Tua. Yes, he's going to need a mega in. deal. Lamar yeah. Jackson just got a mega deal. So those teams aren't nearly as flexible within the cap as mm-hmm. Houston can be in the next two to three years. Yeah, don't forget the Texans. Remember, remember they started out with a lot of injuries on the O line too for oh, CJ Stroud, and they just could, they finally got healthy toward the end of the year. Uh, so a lot of growth uh, expected for the Texans this offseason. Big offseason. It is for the Houston Texans. Never, I didn't think I'd say that in a long time, but it is a huge offseason. Well, last now. season was huge, and they hit it right because they, they had the it. first pick, yeah. or they had the second pick, and they ended up with a third pick. And uh, they did. It's safe to say they used the Deshaun Watson draft capital they acquired wisely. Now can they do – because they still have a drive, another one of those picks from Deshaun Watson. Yep. they got to use it wisely. And if they can and hit the market a little bit and add an impact player like, like a Barkley, now you're, you're right there with the, – with, because you were a 10-win team a year ago. Now all of a sudden you're talking about maybe 11, 12 wins. But you are going to be playing a first-place schedule, which we've talked about. You've got to play the division winners. Uh, it steps up with your, your strength of schedule. But, you know, that, that's, that's football. Yeah. Yes. No, it's a, it's at what for the Texans. This is a good problem to have. It is. <laughs> you got it a is. first place schedule. And I do agree that Nick with Nick Wright that they can be a team. But will they? We'll see. We'll see. They're the Texans. They'll they probably gotta, screw it up. They, they no. They, they I don't think so. But they gotta if they're gonna contend. If we're talking about threatening the Chiefs, they gotta they gotta nail this off season. They gotta hit oh. home runs in free agency. They gotta hit home runs like they did last season in the draft. If they do that, yeah, then it's a realistic conversation. Right now. You know, it's not this. It's a hopeful, optimistic conversation, but I don't know how realistic it is. Sure. For uh, yeah. all right. So, a uh, little breaking news from the NFL, as has been widely expected this morning. It's now official. The Cincinnati Bengals have applied the franchise tag to their wide receiver T. Higgins. They ain't letting him go. Uh, One-year deal, twenty-one point eight one six million. Um, he can sign it anytime he wants, but he's not likely to sign it. He's going to uh, try to continue to negotiate. Um, so we'll see. By the way. As a as the franchise player, teams can talk to him and uh, sign him. Yep. They would have to give up two their next two first-round picks. Okay. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to do that for T. Higgins, but we'll see. No, not two first-round picks. Not two first-round picks. That ain't Quarterback but you would do that for. You can tell Cincinnati believes, going back to my five-year window, five year window theory, they believe that they're getting deeper into their window. It's almost that's, over. That's why, yeah, they got to like, no, we got to keep these receivers together. Right now we are indefensible. With th- basically two wide receiver ones and our offensive uh, weaponry, we let T. Higgins go. Um, that changes the dynamic completely. So this is their all-in year. They're going all-in right now. That's that's kind of one of their definitions of it, keeping T. Higgins around, playing that big price tag. Good stuff. We come back. There's Rod's rant. We'll get some uh, who said that before the end who of the hour. Uh, we'll come back and uh, continue the good, the bad, and the ugly conversations from the busy weekend. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Before the top of the hour, we're going to uh, play some Who Said That, some audio and sound from around the uh, sports ecosystem over the weekend, Rod. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. That. Also, uh, recapping the weekend, looking forward to the week, which includes the NFL scouting combine starting Thursday. Also, I saw this come down this morning, that that, uh, the longtime great NFL columnist, Peter King, is retiring. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I was 
looking forward to reading that column. Actually, I me too. Yeah, I hadn't done it yet, so I saw I, I bookmarked it though because I saw that everybody was giving him congratulations and wishing him well, and I was like, what's going on? And it turns out, yeah, he's hanging it up. That's that's kind of sad, man. He was my go-to. I was, he's one of my go-to uh, writers content. every to, every NFL weekend. I mean, I, I think on Monday. Every Monday, right? Yeah, football morning in America or his, you know, Monday morning quarterback back in the day. That was must read. Yeah, because he was talking to the people, right? I mean, it's Talking just, to the players. That's good. That's good. I mean, you know, talking – well, yeah, having the story the day after, you know, stay up yeah. all night talking to coaches, yep. you know, game stories, top stories of the Sunday. Yeah, it was must read for sure because he had the trust of the players and the coaches, right? He, mm-hmm. You know, he was one of the one of the good ones. He, oh. You know, now we got the guys that get on TV and they yell and they scream and, you know. Yeah, he was about getting the details. About getting details. Get right? I mean, he's the reason we know about corn dog. I mean, I believe he's the reason we know oh, about the, corn the, dog. the play to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, back to yeah, right, back to back Super Bowls. Yeah, uh, the game winning play. He's the reason we know about it because he was like, "What's the name of that call?" And he's the one that got Andy Reid to open up about it. I don't know if Andy Reid does that with anybody else. Well, and I, you know, fans like you and me, and you're a football theorist. I, I that's what I like is you know, I like watching coaches press conference oh, yeah. after games because oh, they don't always say anything, but you get to hear their their thoughts and emotions. I mm-hmm. I like the the unfiltered coach, not just a soundbite, right? And then, and but you know, Peter King brought you the good stuff from talking to players and coaches and. Uh, always enjoyed his column. So, unfortunately, I don't. I can't wait to read it. Is it, is it retire? Is he going to semi-retire? What's he going to do? Yeah, I'm like, he can't I'd just hope hang still, it up. He still writes. He's got to do something, man. I, cause well, he seems, travels a lot. I mean, he goes he does, different yeah. game, place to place. You don't get that access and that kind of content without, you know, putting boots on the ground and getting to work. Uh, he does a great job. So, That's big sad. fan of Peter King. That's sad. Also, this from the NFL, Rod. How about this? Uh, uh, this this drop from, from Fox NFL over the weekend that uh, – from the Super Bowl, Bijan Robinson wants two thousand rushing yards this year because he wants to get to two grand. Whoa, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Well, just it's not that he's not going to get there because he's too versatile of a weapon. Yes, they they literally said we drafted you to be an offensive weapon, not necessarily be a running back. So ideally, he doesn't want that. I what he would want is twelve hundred yards rushing and like eight hundred yards receiving. Like, he'd want 2,000 yards from scrimmage. That's what he needs to shoot for. Like, kind of what, you know, Christian McCaffrey would get or something like that. That's what he needs to shoot for. 2,000 yards rushing, that's going to wear you out, dude. That means you ain't going to get – by the time you get to your second contract, you're going to be worn out as a player. Yeah, you you're going to be that. the same player. You don't want that. No, 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 no. And teams will devalue you because of that in this running back market. You don't want 2,000 yards, Bijan. You want 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Not 2,000 yards rushing. 2,000 from scrimmage. There you go. And if I was a coach, I'd tell them the same thing. Like, no, 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 that's not how we're going to use you. No, that would that would basically be misusing you and abusing you. We gonna we gonna we gonna have you out on the perimeter, so some some DBs got to tackle you, as opposed to linebackers and D linemen having to tackle you on every snap. It makes a difference. <laughs> it makes a huge difference. Sure does. Yeah. Well, I mean, fantasy owners want them to get two bills. They want two Gs. They, no, they still get paid for the receptions. I don't know. Still get, don't you get points for receptions and receiving? You, if you're in a PPR league, yeah. I mean, you Come should on. get a point you per get reception. Some points for that. Yes, uh, but yes, you want you want the value, and that's uh, uh, there was no no more frustrating fantasy football player last year than B, the last season oh. than B. John Robinson. What about Kyle Pitts? He was anybody who was. Well, you on. didn't take Kyle Pitts in the first round. People were taking B. John in the top three. Yeah, that's true. I'm taking the first overall. And you, over there, you if you're. I mean, if you were deciding, I know in one of our leagues that I'm in, they took Bijan with the first pick and didn't take Christian McCaffrey. Well, that killed you because Christian was Mr. Production. Yeah. That's what you want from your, your yeah. first pick. That's what you want. I mean, that's, like, you, you're, you can't – fantasy football fans, oh, but you cannot compete if your first couple picks aren't produ- producing year week by week, typically. Yeah. You, you, you need the production of a, 
of a Justin Jefferson, but then he got hurt for six weeks, right? Yeah, you yeah. need a Tyreek Hill who's going to have all those catches and yards, and there was no one more consistent than Christian McCaffrey. But then it felt like Bijan would be if they give him the damn ball. Well, that's, that's why he was frustrated. Uh, Arthur, Arthur Smith didn't want to – he basically wanted to use his best players as decoys. It was a weird uh, philosophy. I don't know why you would do that. But instead of force-feeding the football to his best players, he would try to use them as decoys, and teams figured it out. It was like, well, you're not going to give it to Bijan anyway. You use him as a decoy. So I don't know. I think with a different offensive coordinator in there, Bijan could and should be a star. But 2,000 yards, that's a lot. I don't well, know if you get 2,000. That's what he says. Well, What's the last running back to get 2,000? Uh, Adrian Peterson, right? Be, or was it? No, Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry? Okay. Well, you don't want to – right? Do we want to – want, you want, you, he's, he's not aging great, is he? No. <laughs> how about how about 2,250 of combined rushing receiving yards, Bijan? How about you get that? You know, give me two two G's combined. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. You want yards from scrimmage, two thousand yards from scrimmage, not two thousand rushing yards, because rushing yards is gonna beat you up, man. They'll that will that will beat you down, and your shelf life will be even shorter as a running back. You don't want that. Yeah, I think you're right. Adrian Peterson, I believe, was the last one. That's two thousand. Was it Derrick Henry? Did Derrick, Derrick, Derrick Henry do it or flirted with uh, it at one point? No, you're right. Derrick Henry did it in 2020. Yep. He had 2027. Uh, Adrian Peterson had 2097 in 2012. Then Chris Johnson before that, 2006 yards. So yeah. All right. Top football story of the weekend, without a doubt, was what came down on Friday. We've talked about it throughout the morning, but the uh, uh, the ruling in the state of Tennessee from the judge that uh, you know that they're pretty much flattens the NCAA um, at any level. Oh, yeah, they're done. Uh, NCAA now barred from enforcing name, image, and likeness rules. A federal judge, excuse me, a Tennessee judge, has uh, it's another blow to the NCAA's ability to govern college sports and more than 500,000 athletes. So, um, you know, the NCAA, it's still there, but, you know, its power is completely vanquished at this point. Their ability to police anything happening in, in NIL space or college athletics pretty much – well, off the board. They're impotent now. I mean, they, they, they literally have just been gutted by the courts, so they can't enforce transfer portal uh, rules uh, because the courts have decided that player movement and player freedom um, actually is, you know, that's top priority and that the NCAA shouldn't be able to regulate that, so the NCAA won't even try anymore, so you can transfer multiple times without penalty. So they they've punted on enforcing – and regulating the transfer portal, now their NIL rules are moot, at least for the time being, until this case is settled. But based on recent court decisions involving the NCAA, I mean, they're going to continue to rule against the NCAA <laughs> because they believe the NCAA is a borderline criminal syndicate violating antitrust laws. So they're just going to find more and more ways to rule against them. And in the recent, I'll read the, uh, the, the judge's comments from the most recent decision here because I thought they were pretty interesting. Um, he says the federal judge uh, here is Clifton Corker, the Tennessee district judge. And he said, without the give and take of a free market, student athletes simply have no knowledge of their true NIL value. It is this suppression of negotiating leverage and the consequential lack of knowledge that harms student athletes. Uh, the NCAA's prohibition violates federal antitrust law and harms student athletes. So that's going to continue to happen over and over again. So they can't, they can't, they're not even allowed, actually 
to enforce their rules on NIL. They can't and don't enforce transfer portal rules. What is it you say you do here, NCAA? I mean, you, you punted on COVID because you were too cowardly to try to implement COVID restrictions because you don't like to mess with things that are ethical. <laughs> Any ethical decisions or moral decisions you stay away from because you got a money compass, not a moral compass. So you punted on that. Uh, and now with uh, realignment and the new kind of changing landscape, NIL being the law of the land, all of these very drastic shifts in the landscape, in the ecosystem of college football, you have had no Really, you've been able to make no decision on those. You've either chosen to punt on those decisions and pass on those, or you have been disallowed by uh, institutions of authority to enforce your rules and your regulations. So what, what is the purpose of the NCAA? Right. At least as it relates to big-time college football. Yeah, that's the thing. As right? it relates to big-time other stuff, but big-time college football. Sure, and very little, which is why it's likely to, to break away. And we've already seen the Big Ten and the uh, SEC form an alliance. Their commissioners, they're going to talk about these exact uh, situations. How do we govern ourselves moving forward? Uh, the Tennessee case that came down Friday is one of at least six antitrust lawsuits that the NCAA is currently defending. <laughs> It's likely they'll go 0 for 6, Rod. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, of course, earlier this year, the National Labor Relations Board ruled uh, that members of the Dartmouth men's basketball team are employees of the school and could vote to form a union, which they plan to do. So this is where we're headed. I mean, the players have more and more rights. Uh, you're going to have to collective, at some level collectively bargain rules. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, is it looking more and more like professional sports? Yes. Uh, but the universities are cashing in like it's a professional sport. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that they've, they've entered this, this business, and if you're going to enter that business, this is actually what the courts are saying. Look, if you're going to get in this business. It's a, a business. It's, a, it's like any other league. <laughs> yeah. You've got to play by the rules. Yeah. Uh, just because the players are 18, 19, 20 years old doesn't mean you, you don't have to pay them. They have and rights. And you have to take care of them. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, you're in the business. So then don't indentured servitude anymore. Yeah. you <laughs> you got to pay them market value. This is, like I said, this is what happened when the NIL became the law of the land. The NIL represented the free market. It was representative of the free market has now hit college sports. And, guys, how long did the free market take to uh, terraform college sports now? Tell you what, three years? Three Capitalism years, is a powerful force of nature. Sure it it is. really is. <laughs> because it may, essentially now all these changes are because the NIL uh, basically brought the free market to college. Which, by the way, the NCAA, they for decades, going back to when he wrote his thesis, they have guarded against this, and they have fought against the free market as much as they could um, to the point where they almost became a borderline criminal syndicate now. And that, that's why they're ill-equipped in this new era of college sports to even defend themselves, but, to even justify their actions well, because more, they have, they've fought against the free market. They, don't, they didn't want the free market, the capitalism in college well, sports. And let's also be fair. The NCAA works at request of the school presidents. They work hand-in-hand. Hand. So it's time for the school presidents, the universities – to act, they have to stop, you know, hiding behind the NCAA. They they're the ones that are collecting the money. The NCAA to make money on football. Uh, right the universities that. and the athletic departments make the money. That's who has to fix this. Uh, it really is. I mean, they have to make it legal, and they've got to do it in a real time way. They tried to stand on the amateurism rule, you know, sham for a long time. That's been overruled again and again. At some point, they're going to have to treat them as employees. They just are. Um, it just Part of the deal uh, is there, is it going to come with with sticky situations with Title Nine uh, and rules? Yes, but this is what smart people do. 
because yeah. you're there's plenty of money to go around. You just got to figure it out and do it within the rules of, and the laws of our own, of our land for crying out loud. Yeah. Uh, and the players, yes, there are the players and the athletes in the advantage position for sure. Uh, but you guys, you guys were in control for 40 years. And look at what you did. Look at what you did. You, you did nothing. Right. You just, nothing. You just let amateurism be the law of the land. It's like, well, amateurism should evolve. Nope. It shouldn't be the same amateurism in 1950 right. that we have in 2020. 100%. This doesn't make any sense. Nope. All right. We'll come back when we do a little round of who, who said, said that? that. Good audio. Plus, uh, that'll lead us right into the fabulous fifth hour on Hook Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. Ian Rod B. On the Horn. Ooh, and this man, hey. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? <laughs> Who said that? Ahead of the uh, fabulous fifth hour, wrapping up hour four here on Hook 'em Up with You and Rod B. We hear some sound from around the weekend, around the sports landscape, and. Uh, Try to decipher who that is or figure it out. Rod, what do you have for me? Who said that? Um, all right, Ty, I sent you a piece of audio. Um, kind of just to tell you, so you may be just getting it. And uh, we can you can dial it up and we can play who said that. I heard like some dude behind the bench, some ball guy sitting behind the bench. I heard, are you effing bum? I was like, who, the, who just said that? My dad. <laughs> Your dad got a lot of airtime. He was like, yeah, with that bonus, we could have finished my basement. Valid point. That's a valid, that's a very valid point. Sorry. All right. uh, Who said that? Sounds a lot like Ben Affleck. (laughs) Uh, Not Ben Affleck. It's Jalen Bronson. Oh. Jalen Bronson uh, tells this story. (laughs) It's pretty good. That he was in a three-point competition, and somebody was basically heckling him in the three-point competition, and he looked up, and it was actually his dad that was heckling him, (laughs) talking trash to him. And he was like, wow, my own own pops is doing that, which is crazy. And uh, speaking of Jalen, that's another piece of audio. I'm not – we can't play this really long. But Jalen Bronson admitted uh, on an interview, it might have been – with the same crew, because I think that may have been with, uh, I'm not sure exactly what it was. I think that was the roommate show, but it was a different podcast. And he admitted that he went to the Mavs ownership. He went to Mark Cuban and the Mavs front office twice to try to sign a deal. And they rejected him both times. Now, the Mavs are doing good right now. They're fine. You know, they got Kyrie Irving and things are looking great. But, man, I didn't realize that. Ty, did you know that, that Jalen Bronson went to the Mavs twice to try to sign a deal before he ended up hitting free agency and before this price tag got, got you know, basically to the point where it was uh, something they couldn't afford? Yeah, I mean, and, and he, was a play, he was a great player for the Mavs, but let's not forget that he really came on towards the end of that last season with the Mavericks and in those playoffs when Luka was hurt. And he had to, you know, you know, front the brunt of the load. So I, I mean, I, I, I miss him, and we pro- definitely should have signed that contract. But we did offer him more money than the Knicks offered, and it, at the end there, and he still chose the Knicks. So good for him. I mean, he wouldn't be having the same kind of production on the Mavericks right now with Luka Doncic. I know, but you'd have him on the contract, and you'd have a really yeah, good player I know, on I know. the I, cheap trust contract. Trust me, I would love to have him. <laughs> I, and I, I mean, but he's he's never done anything wrong to the Mavericks. We, I, I mean, it was a, it was a mutual parting of way. And I mean, we wanted him back, but we understood with his dad being on the coaching staff with the Knicks, yes. him yeah. wanting to kind of take that next step in his career as a number one, which I don't think he can. They, a team can win a championship with him as a number one. 
but I, I, I don't know. I, I think the Knicks are in a way better place than they were before they signed him. So props to him. No, I, tell, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Him or Kyrie Irving is a question. Oh, really? Okay, that's... sorry, I didn't miss that. Um, no, uh, no, that's I, my question. That's not. That's oh, not. Okay. I don't think that's a question. I think they could have afforded to do both. Could you? Could you get them both? You, you I think could've. with the with the I, I, initial well, price tag, with what he's saying, I, I, he was going to sign with them for cheap. Because he was trying to sign well, the cheaper deal. Well, I'm just saying deal. that if you already had Jalen Brunson, would you have even gone no. after Kyrie? No, that's no. a question. No, no I, don't I don't think I don't know if you would have. Yeah. Similar player. A similar a player. I would that's still take point. Kyrie Irving over Jalen Brunson. You could right you could afford it both, though. Honestly, you really could have. Like yeah. that's how cheap you would have gotten Jalen Brunson. But yeah. it's interesting. It's a good point. Did y'all see that AI Allen Iverson said that Kyrie Irving has the best handles ever in the NBA? Ever? Ooh. Yeah. Ever? Mm-hmm. Said who has the best handles? Allen Iverson Kyrie. said that Kyrie Irving has the best handles in, ever in the NBA. He does. He does have some well, of the nicest He was nicest a one-one man. He was the number one pick overall at Duke for a reason. He's a really good player. He's just been a problem wherever he's gone. Except Dallas. Dallas. Except Dallas so far. Except so far, Dallas. so good. But so coming that. from a guy that probably considers himself to have the best handles all time in Allen Iverson, that's 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 pretty big praise. My, my no, edit. I'm with you. That is high praise. I didn't hear that. Uh, That's really cool. All right. We'll uh, actually play the second one I sent you there, Ty. Not the first one. I want, that, that one, we're not going to have time for it. Play the second one because it is NBA related. Your birthday was last week. These guys get you anything? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Bad teammates. Bad teammates. Terrible teammates. Terrible teammates. Yeah. Your birthday. Uh, is that Jokic? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Did he get anything for his birthday? All right, somebody got him something. What NBA players are so rich, though. I mean, do you really get NBA players? What do you get? What do you get for people to have everything? They can buy themselves anything. They have everything. That's why what they're always getting each other like watches or like mini motorcycles or just something. Yeah, that, like something that's Louis fun. Vuitton yeah, bags. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do you shop for those guys? But there are the guys on the team that yeah, they're making a lot of money compared to us. But comparatively to the big stars, they could probably use a few of those luxury you items. Give them a new. That's Put true. your money to get, get him a new tractor for his farm or something, man. He, He's your MVP. He took you to the championship. Buy him a new horse. Buy him a new horse. Buy him a new horse. Get a saddle. <laughs> Guy rides horses. Get, him, get, him, get him like a custom-sized saddle. He's got to have a big-ass saddle. He's a country boy. Because he got big ass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, that horse is going to be pissed. <laughs> that dude They're big horses. Yeah, yeah, that's a big horse. That's a big dude. That's uh, a big boy. Speaking of big dudes, I sent you another clip here, uh, Ty. You, if you can dial it up, please, and we can say uh, we can play. Who said that? You know, Jordan's far more superior player, mm-hmm. and a very, very tough league, and very, very you know, uh, create you know, very creative. Sure. I mean, that's not taking away anything away from LeBron James, who is a great player. But it's not a fair comparison because I think Jordan is much faster to be a player. Who said that? That's the dream. That is the dream. My man, the dream. Saying MJ is better than LeBron. When, when did the dream move to America? Uh, right before college. Yeah, he's been here. So right. how, like, I'm, I'm confused on how he was identified as a talent. He was a soccer player growing up, and then uh, he got into a basketball academy over in Nigeria uh, you know, spotted by a scout and uh, mm-hmm. you know, watching him play soccer. Like a Houston he, scout? Uh, no. No, NBA uh, scouts. NBA scouts. NBA's got, NBA has camps all over the world. They got them in China. They got them in Africa. Even they, back then, they've been, oh, yeah. yeah. They've oh, been, yeah. They've been, oh, no, they've been internationally scouting for a while. Yeah. I believe that's the case. Um, but, I mean, now they're at a different level. But back then, I believe that that's how it, that's how it all went down. Yeah, and then he that's why he was I mean, he's so nimble. I mean, he threw up as a, he was a soccer goalie, Rod. He's been goalie in soccer. <laughs> His game looks like that. Yeah. He's, he's got great he had great feet. Yeah. Just amazing feet. Yeah. The dream. The dream. 
That's a great nickname, too. Akeem. The, the Dream. Dream. And I remember cool. when he was just Akeem with an A, no H. Oh, yes, I do remember when it was Akeem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, pretty amazing. What changed pretty amazing. Uh Well, he, his, his religion. His religion oh. changed, and he changed it to Hakeem. Uh, but, you know, this, according to a 1981 article by the Houston Chronicle, Hakeem, uh, back in Nigeria, was a sheep herder in his family. He, spe- he, he killed a lion with a spear that was attacking his sheep as a youth. Wow. Oh, yeah. Soccer wow. goalkeeper. Guy killed a lion. Yeah. Who could brag about that? Anybody in the NBA history could say they killed a lion? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not anyone nowadays. Oh, that is amazing. That that's a great story. Somebody's gotta do somebody should do like a little movie about Hakeem's story. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, give me some of that. Yeah, the dream. Yeah. Remember the story he was coming over and he was gonna visit St. John's. Yeah, and he wasn't highly recruited. No, too. he wasn't highly recruited. No, he wasn't highly recruited. He, I, the story goes he asked somebody at the airport because he was in New York. You know, had three tickets to go and he said, which one's the warmest? And they gave him the they said Houston. So he flew to Houston. No way. Yeah. Get out of here. He didn't like the cold. Hey, hey he's from Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you blame him? He's like, man, I'm from Africa. I don't know. It would be cold. Yeah. No, I feel that. I love that. That's a great story. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. We will uh, continue the conversations. That's good stuff. And who said that? What say you in the next hour? We'll get some text going and some messages talking about the weekend that was, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Plus, Rod will take us behind the BOC one more time. Uh, we'll get you with some what's popping before you uh, get out of here this uh, at 11 o'clock. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby.